0: Okay. Well, as you guys know, those of you who have been here with us for the last couple of months, let me get this thing fixed here. Um, We have been studying about the church, and so this is the doctrine of the church as we've been studying what we might call systematic theology. Systematic theology is just a fancy name that makes us sound smart, right? (laughs) So we put our smart hats on, but uh, systematic theology is basically looking at the various doctrines of theology in a systemized way now I know that's kind of a, a cheat because I use the systematic and the systemized together but but I think we understand that that the, the Bible doesn't um, come to us in a systemized way now I think the Bible was given to us in various ways we have historical literature we have um, in, in like the book of Acts is in the New Testament history we have poetry we have uh, the law We have the prophets, you see that like in Ezekiel and elsewhere, but uh, um, then we have some uh, what we might call epistles, which are more instructive kind of letters, and so in the New Testament, like the writings of Paul, and uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, some of those things, and a couple others, obviously, um, those would be considered epistles. We have the book of Hebrews that was written by, who was the author of Hebrews, do you remember? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It's not autographed, and so uh, that was a trick question, and y'all passed. That was great, um, but those are more instructive, and so much of our doctrine for doing church and how we do church comes from those epistles because they were written to the churches. Um, but all scriptures God breathed. We know all scriptures important. Uh, it may not all be as important in any given moment as some other scripture, right? Um, I mean, if if I'm in a, if I'm in a crisis and, and there's the possibility of injury or depression or something or the loss of life for someone, um, you know, certain passages uh, may not be necessarily as important as other passages to me in that moment. doesn't mean they're not important, but God uses the scripture for us every moment of every day in different ways to accomplish His purpose in us. Sometimes it's to give us hope. Sometimes it's to give us peace. Sometimes it's to rebuke us when we're sinning, right? Um, To warn us when we're in danger of sin. All of these things. Sometimes it's simply to edify us, to make us holy. But all of it is useful for us. And so tonight, that's a lengthy introduction because tonight is one of the topics that if you watch TBN, you may think this is the favorite topic of preachers. Okay? And so... Um, it's like tonight's your first night here with us too, please know that this is not something, you know, we, we talk about all the time. But we're going to talk about our giving tonight. This just happens to be where we are in our systematic theology. Now, our church people who are regular should know that this isn't something we talk about every Sunday. Um, I, I don't know if you notice, but um, speaking of giving, you know, we got a parking lot going in. Did you notice that? Uh, the dirt work's been, been done. Uh, those mounds that were still out there left over, those that's extra dirt that's going to be pushed back here to fill in some low spots. And if I dare say this across all the live streaming on social media, it's going to help uh, make the road to get back to our gun range. Yes, our gun range at church. That's kind of scary. Um, but uh, ooh, that's just for training purposes for our security team and, and maybe the hunters who are here. That's it, okay? Um, I'm, trying, I'm like feeling myself getting embarrassed here trying to explain this to social media. Um, you can ask me questions later about it, how's that? Uh, but um, that's not gonna be wasted, so there's a lot of good things going on. Um, but even with that, we've had a number of families and individuals who have given to support that. But even with that parking lot, we don't talk about giving financially to support that cause uh, all the time. We just, it's not something we talk about all the time. And, and there's a reason, because it's a turn off to people, right? It's not that it's not important, but it's a turnoff. A lot of people have a bad idea that all churches talk about is money. And sadly, if they've watched any you know five minute span of TBN or some other religious station on TV, they're right. It seems like all we do is talk about money. But money is a very important topic. And so we are going to address it tonight as we talk about the church. The main ideal here is that this lesson covers the church is supported by Christians. And so hopefully you got a handout. I know it looks awful. There's a streak across just about every page on there. Uh, we're waiting on the copy cleaner to come in, the copy repair person to come by. I think it's going to happen tomorrow. If not tomorrow, it should be Friday. But they'll come and they'll take care of this. So just do your best to uh, decipher and read between the smudges, okay? So just imagine that I'm left-handed, because I am, and just imagine that I hand-wrote all this and my hand just smeared across all this stuff. That'll help you kind of get through this, this this tragic handout tonight, but... But the, the central truth that we're going to see as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1-15, through 15, is this, that Christians willingly and cheerfully give of their resources out of grateful hearts that love and trust God. Now, specifically, this passage deals with financial means, and we're going to see they're supporting another congregation. There's a there's an offering that's going to be taken to support a, a church in Macedonia that was, or excuse me, the Macedonian church is going to, Take money to support a church in Jerusalem that was struggling financially. And so we're going to talk about that. But we give as Christians of our whole lives. And if we were honest and if we slowed down long enough to, to really think about this, we would have to admit that what God does for us is gives us our, our giftedness. He, yes, He gives us a place to live. And some, some of us have small homes, some of us have big homes, you know, medium-sized homes, some of us are in apartments, you know, all these different things, but we have those kind of resources. Some of us have giftedness spiritually that the Lord has done for us and, and given us, and so we use that spiritual giftedness. Um, some of us have things, and some of us have lots of things. Uh, I was thinking, as I was studying again for this again this morning, I was thinking about all my books, and I hate to even admit this because now I have to be accountable because I'm talking about it, but I have a lot of books, and um, I mean, books are—I love books. And it's not just that I love books; I love to read. I love to keep my mind active. Um, I just—I like learning. Um, and for me, when someone says, "Hey, uh, hey, hey, let me borrow that book." In the past, it's been like, uh, okay, you know, and it's like, let me make sure my name's in it in several places, and I need this back at some point. Uh, That used to be how I operated, and I confess that's not godly at all, but that's kind of where I was Um, now, and and I don't know what it is, but I was thinking about this today. At some point along the line, uh, I just realized that... Uh, If I've read those things already, why can't someone else read them and be blessed by those things, right? I mean, that's how we're to loosely hold the things that God gives us. And so so I say that. Now you get to hold me accountable, and you can challenge me. Come ask me to borrow books or just to have them and watch the tension in my life. Watch me be tempted tonight or whenever you may ask. and, ah, And let's pray that I do well. Amen? Amen. All right. So, but it's not just our money. It's, it's our whole life. And so, all the things that God gives us, we are to, to hold loosely. In fact, um, uh, one of the, yeah, look at um, uh, Martin Luther's quote inside on the right hand of that page, that handout. It says, we cannot give God anything for everything is already His and all we have comes from Him. We can only give Him praise, thanks, and honor. I mean, everything else that we have comes from Him already all the All the pennies in our bank accounts, right, and I know they don't go nearly as far as they used to because of the economy but but every um, pay raise we get. I mean, yes, we did something in the, in the company's eyes to merit that raise, but it comes from God. All of that's from God, ultimately. He is the ultimate source of every blessing that we have, be it our financial giftedness, our physical giftedness, our spiritual giftedness, or even uh, monetarily, or, or just the stuff that we have. It comes from Him, and we need to recognize that. Hopefully, we know that already. But let this just be a reminder to us to hold things loosely and to use them for His glory. Amen? We can't take any of this stuff with us. And someone said years ago, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And that's mostly true, but I have to confess, on the way to my Aunt B's funeral up in Hillsboro, Texas, I saw a a hearse pulling a U-Haul coming out of a gas station. Now it was an old hearse that someone had repurposed to use as their personal car. But when I saw that I'm like, oh I can't ever use that anymore, right? And I was like, oh man, that's that's horrible. I wish I hadn't seen that. But the principle's the same. You don't see people go into their, their grave with their U Haul of all their belongings. You don't see them carrying their uh, their 401c, 401c3, 501c3 is for churches, their 401k information. You don't see them with their stock dividends. You don't see them with their fine china or their jewelry in a U-Haul behind that hearse. You don't see those things going into the ground with that person in the casket. Unless, of course, you're Egyptian pharaoh. I don't think any of us here qualify as Egyptian pharaohs, right? Okay, so you just don't see that in, in humanity today. In and, and just about every culture, you don't see that. We hold those things loosely because they come from God. We've been blessed with those things by God, and we're to use them for God and for His people. And that's really what we're going to see here tonight. And that's the, that's the big truth. And again, I know money is a touchy subject. Um, You know, sharing our books, that's one thing. Sharing money, that's a whole other thing entirely. That's meddling kind of stuff, but we're going to meddle a little bit tonight because it is an important principle for us, and um, it really says a lot about where we are spiritually. It really is a good indicator of what we're doing. Now, before we really get into this, let me say this. I know many many of us are leveraged um, with debt, Right now, and it happens at various stages in life and for various reasons. Sometimes it's by our faults, right? We get in over our head. Sometimes it's out of necessity. And the, the world in which we live in today is pretty difficult not to ever acquire debt. I don't know if you've noticed that, but there's somebody in our church who never had any debt until just recently. And he had an absolutely difficult, almost impossible time of acquiring a loan for an automobile because he never had any kind of uh, credit before. He never needed He always paid cash. And so it makes it very difficult in our society especially to never have this ideal of credit. And folks, believe me, just because you don't have debt doesn't mean your credit's good. In fact, if you don't have any debt, chances are when you look at your credit score, it's going to be bad because you've never leveraged this indebtedness You know for the good of your credit score I'm not saying that's that's always good it's usually I don't know it's 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 oftentimes not good but it's absolutely necessary in the society in which we live in if you want to ever do a home or something you don't have what is it now to get into a house three four five six hundred thousand dollars probably right or more the way the economy is and so so it's important but 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 know this um, how we spend our money, what we do with our things, what we're accumulating, that absolutely paints a picture of what's going on. It's just another indicator of what's happening in our lives. So it is important. It, it's very, very important for us to check. And so, so let me back up now. I know some of us have been in debt or maybe are in debt today. Please know that I'm not trying to guilt you into giving more to the church tonight to further your indebtedness. That is not at all a biblical thing. And any minister or any church that would, would encourage you to um, add to your indebtedness in order to give and be blessed, that's sinful and wrong. That's just wrong. Um, the better option would be for you to get out of indebtedness so that you're able to be a blessing to others. And, or, you know, we should get out of indebtedness so that we can be a blessing to others and to the church. Does that make sense? And so please, please don't hear me encouraging you to... In, incur more debt. That's not at all intended tonight. Not at all intended tonight. We give as we're able to give. And and oftentimes, and, and it's happened to us in the past and I'll tell you something very um, ugly about myself here. Um, let's see. Maybe I want to tell something ugly about one of y'all. Let's see. No, no. I'll tell I'll tell about myself. When we were young in the ministry in fact I, it was a, a local place here in town and uh, I was hired in as, as a youth minister and it was part time which meant full-time work and never be at home, but we're only going to pay you. I think that year I made like $14,600 maybe. That was what Becky and I were living on at the time. And uh, um, that wasn't, I mean, that's surely not a lot to live on now, but it really wasn't a whole lot then. And uh, uh, anyway, long story short... We, we had some debt, and, and about the time Becky came down pregnant with our first child, Madison, um, doctors' bills were, were coming in, and so there's more, you know, indebtedness. And and I made the, the, the godly decision to start start holding back some money from the church because the church was going to be okay without us. And let me just remind you, I was the youth minister doing this, and so I wasn't giving as much as we had been giving. And so all of a sudden, and this is just... 'm not This is not name it claim it theology by any stretch of the matter, but i 'm just telling you when I began doing that, it seemed like God went okay you 're testing me in this. Let me test you in this, Kevin, minister to the youth, and so we began to have even less money than we had before I started holding that out. I kid you not, it was getting it was getting very sticky, very sticky, and so I remember just thinking, Lord, how in the world are we going to pay?" these bills. And again, this is early on uh, in our marriage, um, very early on in ministry. And I sat down at my desk after praying and just kind of letting it, letting it go. Thank God, I'm sorry. You know, when I get my check this Sunday, I owe you this much money. It's yours. And I opened my desk drawer right as soon as I said, amen. I opened my desk drawer and there was everything someone had left cash, everything to the penny of what I had withheld from those checks. For those previous weeks from the Lord. Now that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's God. I'm not saying that, that, you know, I didn't any great thing. I did a horrible thing. But God is faithful. And that's what I hope you know tonight. But don't incur debt in order to be holy. That's not a good practice, okay? That's not a good practice. Don't test God wrongly, sinfully, by holding back. Just unload yourself before the Lord. And God will always take care of His people. It's not always how we think it's going to happen. Sometimes it's a challenge, and oftentimes it's a challenge because he's not only just trying to bless us financially or help us pay a bill, but he's trying to grow us spiritually. And I don't know about you, but I need growing spiritually still. Anybody? Yeah, see, y'all all agree, I need growing spiritually. But so do you, okay, so do you. We all do, right? We all do. We're all being sanctified here. So this is just one more area. Now, Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth, obviously. Uh, We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and so go ahead and turn there, and it's 15 verses here tonight, and so you know it's already, I don't have the clock up there, but it's already nearly 7, so we won't look in detail at all of this. Now, you may still have questions. Hopefully, we can finish where you could ask a few questions tonight, but if not, write them down. We'll absolutely answer them on the Q&A night that's coming up if you have any questions. So... Let's look as he's writing. Let's look at verse 2 to start with. I know that's not verse 1. Let's go ahead and just start at verse 2 for a minute. In verse 1, he tells them it's superfluous for him to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For, he says in verse 2, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the Macedonians. Namely, that uh, Achaia uh, has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Now, we're kind of jumping into something here. And so, what is this zeal that's being stirred up? What's this church and the Macedonians? I mean, how does all this go together? Well, here's the background. So, Jerusalem, all right, was the beginning of the church. You remember that from the book of Acts? Um, they started in Jerusalem, and then Judea, Samaria, which is the half-breed, Jew, Gentile, the outcast people, right? And then to the ends of the earth. That's where the, the apostles were to go and spread out. And they're beginning to spread the gospel out to those regions. Well, Jerusalem was the hub. So the church was birthed there in Jerusalem. James and some of the other apostles were all there. Some of them stayed. Others went out, right, sharing the gospel. But the the church at Jerusalem had blessed the Corinthian church early on um, spiritually. they had sent people there Um, Paul was one who's gonna go go there and and so the Jerusalem church had sent uh, Paul and and a team and and some others there and so it's entirely appropriate here when we read in 2nd Corinthians now um, that they're gonna be asked to bless those back that way okay that's that's kind of the picture that's the background and so the Macedonians here are are getting pulled into this and so it's about this time um, where money is to be collected in this church and Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to be embarrassed by not being ready to be a blessing to someone else. That's what's going on previous. And so we're kind of jumping in now with that idea. And so there's a couple things that, are, that, are, that we're assuming now. One is he's expecting them to give because that's what God expects. Secondly, he's expecting that they'll be blessed for giving. Now again... Don't think TBN, and I know in our culture we kind of go that direction when we think uh, I'm going to sow a seed of faith. I'm going to give a $1,000 and I'm going to get $20,000. And that's not what the scripture's is saying here. It's that God will bless us. And it's not necessarily even a financial blessing that's always in view here. It's that God will take care of his people. We can trust God. We can depend on God. He will help us, but he wants us to be a blessing to other people. And so that's what's happening. And so we jump in. Now Now look at, uh, we can go ahead and look at verse 3 and verse 4. Verse 3 says... But I uh, have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. So he wants them to be prepared. Now look at, look at verse 4. Otherwise, if um, any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, we will be put to shame by this confidence. He's saying, as an apostle, he and the other leaders that are coming to, to encourage them, uh, again, I mean, he's written this letter for that reason, but he's going to go there physically. He's going to teach them and be an encouragement to them. But he wants them to be ready to send back a love offering, a gift, to the other church. And so he doesn't want them to be embarrassed by going, um, hmm, okay. Which this reminds me of a story. I was telling Chuck and Hart last night about a, an old friend of my dad's um, uh, Don Finley. I don't know if Mama remembers Don Finley. Tracy probably remembers Don Finley. Uh, His mom was the Avon lady, Miss Finley. Uh, But anyway, Don Finley used to be a treasurer at a church I served at years ago. He was the financial treasurer. And he would come into the office, usually on Monday or Tuesday, and he would sit down. And I knew uh, if I went by that office, Don was going to wave at me and call me in, and I was going to have to sit down, and we were going to visit Which wasn't bad. I loved Mr. Finley. He was hilarious. He was so entertaining. But I was always prepared. And this is what I was telling Chuck and Hart last night. I was always prepared that when he started telling a story... Some point in the middle of that story, Brock, he was going to say, that reminds me of another story. I'll get to that one when I'm done with this one. And so he would finish that story, and then he would go right into that second story. And you better bet your bottom dollar that when he was in the middle of that second story, oh, that reminds me of this other story. And he would just keep on until finally I'm like, well, it's about skin o'clock. You know, I got I to gotta get back here to, you know, to whatever I was doing. And I would try to get my way out. But it was, it was fun. But it would always remind him of something. Um, but... Where was I going with that Don Finley story? I just totally lost my train of thought. That's embarrassing. What was the point? Uh, Oh, I got another story. Yeah, thank you. That's what it was. So, thank you. So, Charles Spurgeon shares... A story, and this is a true story. He sh- he shared a story in some of his writings. I just read this again the other day. Uh, it's in some of the lost sermons of Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you have that book, any of you have gotten that, but there's some there's some good stuff there, good reading. But in one of those sermons from Spurgeon, he tells a story of going to a church. And the church had a history of being um, a little tight. Not just financially, but just being uh, an uptight people. And they just weren't affectionate. There wasn't a lot of amening. You know, there wasn't a lot of encouragement. And so he goes and he opens up the text. And, and what Spurgeon did when he would collect an offering, it was never for him. Uh, he did other things primarily to, to earn an income. But as he traveled, he would never take the offering for himself. Later on, early on, he he did do that. But but later on, he would always use it for an orphanage or for some other ministry that he was involved in supporting. And so at this particular point in time, he was collecting for this orphanage. And uh, um, he shares that when he got done preaching, um, he said they were pretty stoic and cold throughout the entire um, preaching. And so he takes off his hat. Because he had asked and the deacon said they they don't have any uh, giving bags to collect an offering. That's just not something they have. not really something they, they, they really thought about doing. Which told him they didn't really give. And so Spurgeon said, well, no problem. He takes off his hat. he always had his hat. usually had a cigar, too, oftentimes in those days. But different time, right? But he takes off his hat. He passes that hat on uh, to the first person. They begin to pass that hat around. And, and he's telling them about the orphanage, about the ministry. And the hat comes back to him, and it's bone dry. There's not a pence in the hat. And so he looks down in it, and he looks up at the people, and he says basically this. Let's pray. And so everybody bows their heads. And he says, Lord... This is a pitiful people. And I'm sure people would look up. You're right. But he says, uh, this hat is bone dry, apparently just like the souls of everyone in this room. I mean, he just laid it out there. And I'm thinking, wow, that's an awesome prayer, you know. That's one of those impeccatory prayers like David prayed in the Psalms. Lord, smite my enemies with fire or whatever it was. And and so uh, he closes, says amen, and then he just gets his hat and he leaves. He said he was lucky to get out of there with his hat after that prayer, but he does. He gets his hat and he leaves. And so y'all thought Spurgeon was just uptight all the time. The the man was hilarious. He was hilarious. Um, But that's a true story according to Spurgeon. And so he wanted this people to be ready to give, unlike in this illustration that I almost forgot. Thank you, Casey, uh, from Charles Spurgeon. Okay, so there you go. Chasing a rabbit. Sometimes I get lost in the rabbit trails. But here's what we need to do. Number one, and we'll go through these pretty, pretty quickly. We need to give sacrificially. This is what Paul is teaching here. And this is taught throughout Scripture. There's a plethora of places we could look. But Paul urged the church to give sacrificial, uh, with sacrificial generosity. He urged um, uh, them to do so. He he uses an agricultural kind of illustration because it would have been familiar to them. I mean, we probably won't be as familiar with this illustration that he uses. Um, the ideal of sowing and reaping even, we don't really you know, understand so much in our culture today. We might think about uh, loans and interest rates and those kind of things. And I mean, if Paul was preaching to us today, it would probably be in some terms like that, right? This is just the, the language of the people that he's using, the, the, the way that they live. And so he says in verse 6, look at verse 6. Now I say, this I say, he who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so they would have known this. They're really close to this agricultural kind of society. And so farmers who plant a little bit of seed, they would know they only gather a little bit of harvest. And we know that when we try to plant and do our gardening. Um, You do a little bit, you get a little bit. Some of y'all have have seen, and I know we shared some of our passion vine with Nicole, if I remember right, you and Alan, and um, maybe some others, I can't remember, but Um, We got a single little scrawny passion vine. I'm sure if you know what a passion vine is, but it was about this big. Put it in the ground, and it has just taken off, and it's taken over. So we have passion vines growing all over our yard. So in our mint, up front by our door, near the front porch, uh, uh, passion vine has grown all through our mint. It's growing up the side of the house, out of another flower bed. It just seems like every time we walk outside, there's more passion vine, and it's beautiful. Now, what we love about this passion vine We don't love necessarily that it grows so uh, prolifically, but what we love about it is that the caterpillars absolutely love this stuff. And so the other day when I counted, there was like 127 um, caterpillars or cocoons from the caterpillars all over the passion vines, and now there's more on the door. Two came out. And I don't know how this happened, but it looks like two caterpillars came out of one chrysalis today. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I know you've researched it, but but maybe research that. Well, we're trying to find the other chrysalis because two of them came off uh, our doorbell. Actually, they were right under our doorbell. And so, also, if you come over and you want to leave something in our mailbox... Don't use the back door of the mailbox. Yes, we have a back door to our mailbox. That's for friends and family, right? The front door is for the strangers, okay? But don't use the back door because there's a chrysalis hanging off the back door of our mailbox too where there's some more butterflies. But I'm telling you, there's hundred, probably 130-something, maybe 140 now uh, of these things coming out. So any day when we walk out into our front yard early or later in the afternoon, there's a good 10, 12, 15, 20, you know, maybe even 30 butterflies all over. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But if that passion vine was still just a little sprig, there's no caterpillars are gonna be able to live on that thing. So we planted that one. Now in this case, it began to multiply. And so early on, we thought, let's take these pieces, let's move them over here. Now now we don't do that because they're just growing everywhere. I mean, it's so prolific now. We're trying to, we're trying to give some away again because there's just too much. But the principle is if you sow a little bit, you're just gonna get a little bit. But if you sow a lot, then you're going to have a whole lot of butterflies. I mean, that's the point of the message tonight. Let's pray and let's go home. No, that's not all. Let's keep reading. That's the ideal here. But look at 2 Corinthians 8. Back up to chapter 8 for a minute. They would understand this. And so the church in Macedonia, as you go back to chapter 8, verse 1, the church in Macedonia, they gave very generously, not because they were rich, though. It's not because they were rich. They, too, were poor. But they sacrificed financially in order to be a blessing. And and, and notice, it says, "...now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given..." And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, 2 Corinthians 8. "...the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty allowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord." Paul was bragging on this church that was also suffering, but they still gave seemingly beyond their means to do so. Now, again, I don't think there's any reason to read into that. They incurred debt to do this. The the Bible would not incur that. Nowhere else does it say that, so please don't read that into it. But they did it sacrificially. So they did without their Starbucks for that night as I take another sip. It was a gift. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Maddie. Yes. Mm. But maybe they with, with... you know, they go without their 5 or $10, whatever it costs now. It's probably 10 or $15 for a drink now, right? But they would do without that drink in order to give. For example, obviously there were no Starbucks in Jerusalem or Macedonia. I know that. But, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, Paul's coffee shop or or, or whatever. Um, or maybe it was something even more clever like Hebrews Cafe. Da-dun-tsh. Sorry, that was just too, get it? Hebrews? He Okay, Sydney didn't think that was funny. All right, so thank you for laughing over here. All right, Chrissy, I appreciate that that kind gesture. But um, maybe maybe it wasn't Hebrews then, Sydney. Maybe it was Holy Grounds. Kef. Is that better? Grounds, coffee grounds. That's not good. Okay, all right. Oh, I mean, I'm just bombing tonight. But um, thank you. All right, thank God some applause over here. Uh, I'm killing it. I'm killing it tonight. And you are like, please finish. Please get to the Amen and let's stop the corny jokes. Okay, I agree. Those were pretty bad. So they gave to be a blessing that's what they were doing and so he was excited he and you know uses that story to encourage and so look back at second Corinthians 9 now look at verse 10 and we'll go on to verse 11 as well but verse 10 it says now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness and so what what he's getting at is that these blessings were not just specified as being material so Christians ought not to give with an expectation that they're gonna get something back you know a hundredfold like you oftentimes hear on TBN that's not the idea we give because the lord's blessed us but the good thing is that when we give the lord is going to bless us right right have you have you not seen that proven true in your life it's true it's it's absolutely true and and um well we'll get there in a second look at verse 11 look at verse 11 He says in verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Now, and this is the end. They're thankful to God for the generosity of this other church as they're blessing somebody. Now, Paul wasn't the recipient of the blessing directly. He's just transferring the blessing to this other church. But he says, we were blessed because of your liberality. He was just being able to be a part. He's like the delivery system, right? And he says, we're blessed because of what you're doing. That's a big thing. That's a, that's a testament to what God can do through generous givers. It's amazing. And, I mean, just let me think about the parking lot here for a moment. Um, we have had a, a several families from CAFA um, that's donated um, pretty good amounts of, of, of finances to this parking lot. They make use of it. But we've had people from other states who don't go to church here and who aren't directly even associated with CAFA who just heard about what we're doing, just trying to expand the parking. Because, folks, we've needed parking for 10 years. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, we, we've been underpaved under out there for a long time. But other people have, have given there was a, a family from South Carolina that just is like connected, connected, connected about four kind of what's like like four degrees of separation from somebody in this area, and they sent a thousand dollars towards a parking lot for people they don't even know. That's that's just the Lord. I mean, we, we didn't advertise this. We didn't go on you know the the classified and said, hey, we're a church, and uh, if you want to give to our parking lot fund. I mean, can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? To a lost world that the church is asking strangers for money for their parking that would be that would be shameful we haven 't done anything like that, but the Lord is seeing every single week He just keeps surprising us. I mean just yesterday uh, um, someone gave thousand dollars for the parking lot here at this church they don 't even go to this church folks that's that 's blessing, and they 're not doing it saying hey we 're going to give you this but we're expecting a tenfold return on our money. I mean, they're not doing things like that. They're giving from the generous um, condition and attitude of their heart. That's the way we're all supposed to give. Amen? And that's the point here. That's the point. He, he, he says, so now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he wants these things to be multiplied spiritually and physically as well. Verse 11, again, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So their liberality through Paul as they brought it was experiencing thanksgiving. That's wonderful, that's, that's the thing. And, and folks, think about it, should the Lord tarry in his return? Um, I mean, let's just, let's just be real. The Lord could call any of us here tonight home at any moment, tonight, tomorrow, We have no idea when. Maybe before the parking lot's done. Supposed to be done on Tuesday if the weather holds and the concrete's still available. I mean, they'll be done Tuesday. I don't know how long it has to dry, so some of you smarter people need to let me know how long before we can use it. Okay, Sean? Um, So please, please, please don't be bashful with that information. Uh, And I'm sure they'll tell us too. Three days? Okay, three days. All right, so by Sunday would be good? Yeah, all right. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, um, That's a little exciting. It is. Um, But let's just say that the Lord called us all home, and we never saw a a physical blessing of getting to see the first car on that thing. Does that mean it was a waste? No, I mean, hopefully we're all in heaven, amen? Christian, that's where we're supposed to be going, right? So we're all in heaven, so we're blessed way beyond, but it can still be a blessing for someone else, for the church as it continued to grow. And let's just say by some divine um, happening that for whatever reason... This church needed to move somewhere else, and we gave this property to another congregation. The Lord would still use it and still be a blessing. The Lord's not going to waste stuff. And so this ideal, this liberal um, generosity continues to multiply and bless other people. And, folks, we need to start thinking about how God could use a book from our personal library to bless someone else or whatever it might be. Amen? Amen, Kevin. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Well, you're welcome, Pastor Kevin. I didn't mean to call you out like that. Well, but you did. Okay, anyway. So, as I'm preaching to myself, if you didn't, didn't notice that. Well, now, turn to the book of Exodus. This is kind of far back. You're going to think, why in the world now are we jump into the Old Testament? Well, because Chuck told us Sunday, right? Hey, the Old Testament's not just done away with. There's still stuff to be learned from there. And, and just like Sunday, I mean, God's going to provide. We can trust Him, right? Whom do we put our trust? hopefully it's the Lord amen amen and so we trust the Lord so look at Exodus 35 notice what happens here with Moses and the people Exodus 35 verse 20 he says then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses presence everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all um, uh, and, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. Th- verse 22, then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches, and earrings, and signet rings, and bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. And again, Lord all caps, it's the name Yahweh. It's God's divine name, his proper name. Uh, every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and, and, and por- uh, porpoise skins brought them. That's odd. I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've read this portion of scripture here and when I saw that again this week, I'm like, porpoise skins? That's what it says. And so uh, they brought those things. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought Yahweh's contribution and every man who had uh, his possession um, uh, in his possession, Acacia Wood, uh, for the work of service, brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet material and in fine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred with the skill uh, spun the... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Hang on. <clears throat> Spun the goat's hair. Verse 27, the rulers brought the onyx stones and the stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate. This is the the priestly garment there. And and the spice and the oil and the uh, light for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. The Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a, notice this, a free will offering to the Lord. You want to learn about free will in the Bible? This is it. This is about the only place you're going to see it. We give of our own accord. We give of our own accord. All right? So, so, so think about it. I know lost people who are generous. I do. I know, I know a lot of them who, who, who give. And, and it's sad to say, but I know some lost people who are more generous than a lot of Christians that I know. They give till it hurts them almost, right? Or maybe it does hurt them, but they give sacrificially. We especially of all people should do that. Because of what the Lord has done for us. And it's because our heart has been changed. We give from a changed heart, right? Isn't that right? I mean, how can the Lord save us and us not be thankful for his saving us? How can we not but think, Lord, Lord, you have rescued me from hell. You have rescued me from my sin, myself, right? You have saved me from me and my hell-bound path that I was on. How can I not give you all things back? My life's yours. Where I, where you want me to go, I'll go. I remember the old Mark. Some of y'all may remember Mark Lowry, the old comedian. He used to sing with the Gaithers. He may still do. I don't. I don't know. But uh, some of y'all remember him. He used to have some some funny skits. But I remember the the one that still sticks with me. After I, uh, know, it's been twenty five years. I guess since this first comedy routine of his came out. Y'all remember him? It's the one where, you know, the the guy's praying, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll go to Africa. I'll marry the woman with a beehive on her head. And he started talking about that lady. It was a Pentecostal lady, you know, and it was his teacher. Y'all remember that? Mrs. Barth? You know, and she would... Anyway, he goes on and on. Some of y'all remember. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. But, but the, the, the joke... No, the joke was that. But the point he was making was, we should have that attitude anyway. He was making a point there. Christians should have the attitude that, that we'll go wherever you call me, Lord. We'll do. We'll give because I belong to you. Amen? And so that's, the, that's what's personified here. That's what we see happening to these real Israelites, real people who really sacrificed for the, the temple, for um, the place of meeting and whatnot here. So the people gave so much. In fact, if you go to chapter 36, verse 6 and you don't have to turn if you don't want to, but maybe just jot it down. Exodus 36, verse 6, it says, So Moses issued a command, and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp, saying, Let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from giving anymore. They gave so much, Moses said, Stop. Stop giving. That's too much. Can you imagine? I mean, what does that even look like in our society? I, 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 I don't know that I've really seen that. Um, Usually people keep giving, and when they start giving freely, I mean, from my experience, people who are asking for it continue in the same kind of way, saying, keep giving generally, let the Lord bless you. I've never heard anybody say stop because they had given so freely. Hmm, that's pretty amazing. Their hearts were, sorry, so moved that they gave more than was needed. Now, that's a a lot. And you're thinking, wow, we just spent half the night on point one. It all moves quicker from here, I promise you. Look at the second thing. Not only do we give in this way, right, sacrificially, but we give cheerfully. We give cheerfully. We don't give begrudgingly, right? We don't give in that Eeyore fashion. Oh, bother, everybody's looking. I guess I better drop, you know, 20 bucks in the plate this Sunday. You know, Rusty's looking over this way. We may think things like that, but please check your heart in that. It's it's not about who's watching who's not watching. I mean, we, we should not want people to watch. Obviously, we shouldn't do it because they're watching. We should do it cheerfully because it's what God wants of us. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9. Each one must do, and the word must, is it italicized in your Bible? That means that particular word's not in there, but it's implied by the tense of the word here, okay? Each um, one, do just as he has purpose. The ideal is you're purposefully, you're intentionally, you have to do it this way. That's the ideal. Now, the word again, the word must isn't specifically there, but it's absolutely intended in the tensing of the word do. Okay, so I just want you to know that in, in fairness. So each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The stuff that happens on TBN is, is usually nothing better than guilt trips trying to convince people that they should give and so uh, you need to do this and if you don't, the Lord's going to curse your finances but if you'll give generously, the Lord will bless you a hundredfold. There's usually some kind of either a carrot, you know, out there dangling or there's the guilt trip mentality but we just give because we're supposed to. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. So we we give cheerfully. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for for all liberality, excuse me, for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. We looked at that earlier, but that's 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 the reason. It's not that you're under compulsion. It's not so you get rich quick, right? It's not that you go plant a seed in the, what was it, $1.9 billion, whatever that one is. I don't, what's it? Powerball, yeah. How much did you spend? Ah, don't tell me that. I don't want to know, really. Really, I don't, I don't he, he didn't plant. But it's not that you go, plant a seed into the Powerball so that, Lord, I will use that money to build a new church. I'll use that money to start a mission. It's not that we're investing in those kind of things and trying to plant a seed and make a deal with God. You ever done that? Uh, you ever try to make a deal with God? Yeah. Um, you, you realize that, that you can't trick God. God doesn't have to be a Mastercard counter right he doesn't have to be able to do that; he knows everything, so you 're not going to pull one over on God, so don't try to gamble with him. He will win every time that's just something free. You can tuck that in your pocket for later, but we give because the Lord has blessed us again second corinthians nine verse excuse me ten verses nine and ten He says, "For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters." For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech um, uh, contemptible. So he, he's he's talking about them giving here, and he's trying to just make sure they understand. Look, you you know me. You know I'm not trying to 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 to, to trick you with my words. I'm not trying to pull one over on you. I'm not trying to be more forcible here like this. And when you you see me, I mean they knew Paul. Whatever his ailment was, they knew he was feeble to look at, to behold. Now. I mean, he, he was kind of the overseer of the murder of Christians, right, before he was saved. You remember that? His name was Saul. And it doesn't say that he physically did it, but he was, he was basically in charge because he held the garments of the men who were carrying out his orders. So there had to be some kind of commanding presence about him, but there was something about him that was still unimpressive. And so he recognized that. He's like, I'm not trying to force you into this ideal. That's kind of what's going on here, what, he, what he's really saying here. But he's telling them to give cheerfully. You should, we should want to do this. We should want to do this. And so, if, if you think about giving, oftentimes the word we hear today, and you may hear me slip up and say this word still, but you hear the word, it starts with a T and ends with an E. What's that word? What is it? Tithe, tithe. Are Christians supposed to tithe today? Yes or no? Yes or no? Think about it. Are we supposed to tithe today? The answer is the New Testament nowhere tells us to tithe. At all. There's not one verse. Not one verse. The New Testament tells us to give liberally. To give of the abundance that the Lord has blessed us with. But it doesn't put a percentage on it. Israel had to tithe. Now how much did they have to tithe? Okay. They gave ten. And then they gave ten more. And then they gave almost ten more. And it depends on... There's different uh, manuscripts in the Targum. I think it's one kind of train here in the early he, he, Hebraic traditions. But 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 the, the percentage was anywhere from about 27 to about 30%, ultimately what Israel gave. Now, the 10% was what we would consider the tithe today. That was like to the Levites. That would be going to the temple. But then there was a, another almost 20% that went for other things, administrative costs and, and um, other duties in the temple itself. And, and part of it was for, um, for the nation, if you will, of Israel. Remember, Israel was a theocracy, a theocracy. I know some people think America is supposed to be the new Israel and to be a theocracy, but we are not Israel. The church is not Israel. America certainly is not Israel. But about with the religious tithe and then the rest of the national type tithes that were required, it was almost 30%. But yeah, that 10% was more of the religious kind of tithe that we're used to talking about. But they gave, basically, through the, through the Levites, they gave their church money, if you will. Again, it was the temple, it wasn't the church. But they also gave their property tax, their school tax, all those other taxes that we pay today. I mean, we pay a lot today. But all that kind of went through the system they had requirements in the law to do this, and they had to do it. In the New Testament, that's right. It just makes you cry because it's so, it just seems like such a burden. I I get it, buddy. But we're not under that burden. Now, we are in America with our taxes, obviously. But the giving, according to the New Testament, is we just give as we're able. Now, does that mean we don't have to give 10%? Right. But folks, listen. The 10% guide, and that's all it really is, a guide, that's not a bad place to start or to consider. Some people can't. And that doesn't mean you're sinful if you can't because you're taking care of your family or, or what your other responsibilities of debt and indebtedness or whatever it might be. But again, it's just a guide. We're not under the law and we don't have to give the 10th. And since we're not under the law, we don't give the 27 to 30% either tithe, okay? So just know that that's, that's not bound. We're not bound to that today in that regards, lawfully, legalistically. We give as we're able to give. And that brings us to the third thing, and I'll, I'll close this up here. We give confidently. Confidently. Again, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And folks, I'm, I'm telling you, there have been lean years. There's liable to be lean years for all of us again um, in the, the world in which we find ourselves today. I don't expect some great... Revival in America. I don't think that's biblical. I think things this is me. I know some some folks disagree uh, especially on TBN um, But I don't think there's some great American revival that's going to take place and we're going to turn this country back and, and And I know politically a lot of folks were thinking there's going to be a red sweep across the house and the Senate And, and it didn't happen in either place. It, it just hasn't happened um, It looks like the Republican Party will will win the house Um, The Senate probably be about like it was before all this with the vice president casting a a vote. But folks, so what? Does that change what we do as Christians in this country? Nope. We still do everything we're supposed to do biblically. Amen? It means things may get harder. It means our pocketbooks may be uh, stretched thinner. Right? It means there may be job loss. It means that being a Christian may be outlawed sooner rather than later but it doesn't mean we do anything differently, right? We know that we have commands from the Lord to go, well, excuse me, to make disciples as we go, right? Teaching, baptizing, all of those things we're supposed to do. That's our goal here. We do it, we 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 want to glorify God in all that we do, as we love him, as we love others, as we serve one another, all of those things for his glory. That doesn't change regardless of who's in Washington D.C. at whatever level. Does it change if there's ever a libertarian party? Some people I know want. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. That's irrelevant. Our job is still the same. And so we have to be committed just like we are in a free society. We have to be as committed in a not-so-free society, right? But it doesn't change what we do. We can still bless one another. We still give unto the work of the Lord as we're able to do so, not under compulsion, but with generosity. And we do so for the glory of God and for the good of those around us. And we do it confidently, trusting that God will use it for His glory and for our good. That's what we hope we've always done. And those days when we didn't, when we held back, and we finally repent and open up that drawer, we realize, hmm, God, He really is faithful. That's that illustration I started with, telling on myself, right? He really is faithful. Folks, we can trust Him no matter what happens around us right now. Amen? But the financial aspect is one area. It is. It's one area where our true colors will really shine through. Do we really trust God in these matters? And when I was a young believer and a young minister... There was a, a period of a few weeks. I was not trusting God. And, and you know who convicted me? Obviously the Holy Spirit. But you know who the Holy Spirit used to convict me? My lovely bride, Becky. She was, she was mad. She said, if you're not going to write that check, and of course we called it a tithe back then. We didn't know any better. If you're not going to write that tithe check first, then I'm going to start paying the bills. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> she had me pe- pegged. She was right. I had to repent. She was absolutely right had to repent and trust the Lord. And when we trust the Lord, He is faithful. That's exactly what Paul says here. So what do we do? We give with confidence. And look at verse 9 again, 2 Corinthians 9, 9. Excuse me, 9, 9. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Folks, this is what the Lord does. He will be honored, He will be glorified, and He will reign and rule in righteousness forever and forever, amen. And we get to be a part of what He's doing. Amen? Let's, let's do so joyfully, as the Scripture would lead us to do. Any questions? Keep humming. There's a rumbling. Oh, it's because my voice is so manly all of a sudden tonight. That is not it at all. I don't know what it is. Any questions or comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions? Any complaints? You can put in file 13 right over here. Any, no, i just playing. Anything? All right. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your generosity with us. You gave of yourself. You gave your son, Jesus Christ, O God, our Father, while we were yet still sinners, to pay the price for us. There was nothing we could do. Even together, all our good works, we couldn't muster up enough good to overcome our sinful estate. But you gave of your holiness, your perfection, your grace, of your mercy, of your loving kindness, to us of your holiness of your very self you gave us jesus the anointed one thank you father thank you lord for such a demonstration of faithfulness of sacrifice of sacrificial giving giving of your very self lord i i pray that even to to just a smidgen and let's just say even to 10 percent of what you've done for us lord may we begin to reflect in our own lives May we give of not just our money, but of our time, of our homes, of our, of our stuff, and, yes, even of our theological libraries. <laughs> May we give freely for your glory and for the good of those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.